Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, January 26th. I'm Wayne Pratt. The riot at the U.S. Capitol quickly drew comparisons to events during the rise of Nazi Germany. Since World War II, Germans have worked to teach against extremism and racism. Germany has done, I would say, a very good job in facing its own past. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Ryan Delaney reports on how Germany teaches its past and possible lessons for the United States. Mass vaccination sites are taking hold in Illinois. St. Clair County is planning a location in Belleville that could start giving shots next week. A site at Belleclair Fairgrounds will be more than two dozen mass vaccination locations in the state that are expected to open in the coming weeks. And as Hannah Meisel reports, Governor J.B. Pritzker visited one yesterday. Pritzker toured a new mass vaccination site in Tinley Park, southwest of Chicago. The local convention center is hosting the site, co-run by the Cook County Department of Public Health and the Illinois National Guard. The mass vaccination site can give up to 9,000 shots per week. And when vaccine supply from the federal government increases, it'll double to 18,000. While Pritzker says similar sites will launch all across the state in the next few weeks, he's urging patience given the short supply of vaccines nationwide. Without more vaccines coming in, you don't want to set up sites and have them sit idle when you only have 120,000 new doses coming in for first doses per week. President Joe Biden says he'll invoke the Defense Production Act to ramp up vaccine supply. I'm Hannah Meisel. The city of St. Charles is banning loud music and dancing in the downtown area in an attempt to reduce crime and violence. Mayor Dan Borgmeier says the city would be enforcing an ordinance already on the books that does not allow those activities on North Main Street. He says there have been numerous problems with certain bars, especially at closing time. Borgmeier says the city is not banning all dancing. And the ordinance will provide for the opportunity to go to people and dance, go to places and dance. But at this point, that particular activity in St. Charles, in the venues where it's taking place, is not working well for the city or for the residents. And uh, we feel like we need to take these steps to control that. Borgmeier says the problem has increased over the past year as some St. Charles businesses have remained open while others in surrounding areas have closed because of the pandemic. Arts organizations in the region are hopeful the Biden administration will increase support. Many have lost revenue during the pandemic. We have more from St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis. St. Louis Area Arts Administrators are optimistic that the Biden administration will make the arts a priority. They say that would be a dramatic change from the Trump administration's repeated efforts to eliminate federal funding for the arts, efforts that Congress blocked. Ron Himes is the producing director and the founder of The Black Rep. He says if the federal government boosts support to theaters and artists, that would also help other important industries like hospitality and travel. I think that we can see the economic impact that art institutions have, not only on the institutions themselves, but what they provide as an economic engine. The Biden administration has not yet said how it will support the arts. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. The city of St. Louis is losing nearly seven small to mid-sized manufacturing companies a year. Those buildings are left vacant or replaced with trendy coffee shops and loft apartments. 
Sarah Coffin is an urban planning professor at St. Louis University who recently published a study about the phenomenon of, quote, industrial gentrification. It's the displacement of industry. And the argument that we're saying is that when industry decides to move, they have to decide that they want to stay in the city because it's no different moving from the city of St. Louis to St. Charles County or to Texas. She's urging the city to provide more support to help those companies hire qualified workers, repair aging infrastructure, and streamline the permitting process. The riot at the U.S. Capitol quickly drew comparisons to events during the rise of Nazi Germany. But Germany has spent decades since trying to teach against anti-Semitism and far-right extremism. St. Louis Public Radio's Ryan Delaney traveled to Germany in the fall with the support of the Pulitzer Center. He spoke with activists and educators working to quell a new rise of extremism in the country. Eula Grauman is a high school student living near the small city of Schlotheim in eastern Germany. She's listened to classmates make insensitive comments about World War II or Syrian refugees today. And she's heard them taunt non-native German opponents during youth soccer games. Most of them wanted to make fun, but sometimes it escalated and there were conflicts between parents. It inspired Grauman to start an anti-racism group at her school. I think this is the problem. Lots of young people doesn't think they're of their opinions and of their comments in a real way. They sometimes aren't aware of what they do to others. Grauman gets support from one of several organizations in Germany confronting racism, the Network for Democracy and Courage, or NDC. Annika Ferba works as a part-time trainer. She goes into schools like Grauman's to give lessons and facilitate discussions about racist thoughts. Well, in school, especially when you talk about politics or when you talk about refugees, I think this is when, when those thoughts come up. Activists say what children also hear at home has a huge influence. And tolerance has been tested over the past decade in Germany, as there's been an increasingly prominent far-right element. Felix Steiner works at Mobit, an organization that works to combat hate crimes. Steiner says there aren't necessarily more racist people in Germany, but it's gotten easier to share the messaging, and it's become more commonplace. You don't need anything. You just need a PC or maybe um, a computer um, and uh, or a, a mobile phone. And so you're in contact with these people. He says the boot and trench coat wearing neo-Nazis of the 1990s have given way to the business suits of the right-wing political party Alternative for Germany and social media memes and video games. It's a way to, to get in and then you are confronted with all these um, racist um, stuff and uh, anti-Semitic stuff and so on. And this is, um, this is the way it works. The alternative for Germany has lost some steam from its peak popularity a few years ago. But anti-government protests were common in Germany last summer and into the fall. They were sparked by conspiracy theories and coronavirus lockdowns. Protesters chant in Munich last fall. And protesters even rushed the steps of the parliament building in Berlin at an August rally. But unlike what happened on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol, protesters did not break in. Michael Brenner teaches history at American University in Washington and a university in Munich, Germany. He actually compares the U.S. Capitol riot to Hitler's failed coup in 1923. He says it wasn't until a few decades after World War II that Germans began to openly confront the past. Germany has done, I would say, a very good job in facing its own past, in making very clear that the Holocaust and how it came to 
both the Nazi rule and the Holocaust, has to be taught in schools. Germany hadn't had a democracy for very long when Hitler tried to overthrow it. Brenner says Hitler succeeded a decade later, in part because there was a lack of confidence in its democracy. He says trust and confidence in America's government needs to be restored. Of course, not to give up of the, about these people, you know, people who we saw storming the Capitol. Uh, we have to somehow win the people back to what is reality, to what the facts are. Having Holocaust survivors speak to younger generations of Germans worked well, Brenner says. But he adds, in the United States, quelling a rise in extremism should come from elected leaders. I'm Ryan Delaney, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Before wrapping up, a correction. During an early edition of this podcast yesterday, we reported some incorrect information about the Tuskegee experiments. That was in our feature story. It was corrected later in the day. We regret the error. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.